Ladies and gentlemen, we have made it to another Monday here on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast. And like every show, we try to give you something a little bit different, take you into a different part of the game that maybe you haven't seen a whole lot, uh, a lot of info on before. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to be going through a little bit on my favorite part of the game. We're going to be talking about special teams from our expert Dave Archibald who digs into some of the spending trends from teams there. But before we do that, I do want to mention that today's show is brought to you by Crossover Football, giving coaches the ability to break down game film to pull stats, searchable clips, tendency reports, and much more from both desktop and mobile solutions. To try one game for free, Sign up for a demo at crossover.com slash pylon. That's crossover with a K dot com slash pylon. And you get one free breakdown if you sign up today. Mark, we're not talking offense today to kick off the week. We're talking special teams, buddy. You going to be okay? I'll be all right. I'll just, you know, probably sit this one out, I guess. You know, if you just run a few laps. Ride if, the you know stationary bike for a bit. Keep if the you, legs warm. If you gotta cry a few tears, don't uh, don't be shy here. Kickers are the highest scoring position on the football team. It's only fair that we get a couple days of special teams action this week. I no, do, that's cool. That's what the mute button's for. Which which are are you talking the mute button on me or the mute button on you? On me. So you guys don't hear me sobbing silently. Well, I guess we, that doesn't make sense. We, we we've all been there, but let's uh, let's spare no more uh, no t- no more time of our listeners. Let's bring in Dave Archibald here. Uh, Dave is one of our really founding members and one of our first writers that we had. Uh, and Dave, I appreciate you joining us today. Hey, great to be on, guys. I, I kind of thought this would run on uh, Kicker Friday. I didn't realize we were. Uh... <laughs> Double dipping special teams this week, but it's great. Never have too much of uh, special teams. Dave, I actually I, I commandeered the schedule this week, so we we're running forty percent special teams, which in my book is just making up for the lack of action that we typically uh, typically give them. Only get twenty percent normally in a given week, but we're bumping up a little bit today. But let's uh, let's talk about this piece that you put together. It's titled uh, NFL Special Teams Investment. And why don't you, before we dig into any of the details, just walk our listeners through what the goal of this project was and really what you set out to accomplish with it. Well, it's kind of funny. I mean, you're you're sort of joking there about 20% uh, special teams versus 40% special teams in terms of our media content. But NFL teams have to decide how are they going to prioritize special teams. I mean, we all know about offense. We know about defense. But there are a lot of guys, and especially the guys at the back end of the roster, who contribute a lot on special teams. You've got really six units. You've got the field goal, field goal block, punt, punt return, kickoff, kickoff return. And you've got to be able to find 11 guys to play on each of those units. So in terms of you know how teams allocate their roster spots... And then also how they allocate their salary cap space. They've got to make a lot of decisions about how important special teams is. Dave, at the outset, the question you try to tackle is, does spending make special teams better? What was the methodology you used to kind of answer that question? And what did you find when you dug into it? Sure. So um, what I did, first of all, you have to kind of decide how you determine who's on special teams, which is a little trickier problem than it seems. So what I did was I looked at guys who played at least 25% of their team's special team snaps, which means they're on, you know, a couple units. And 
played on less than 10% of their team snaps on offense or defense. So really talking about guys who have minimal contributions on those, uh, those parts of the game uh, and play extensively on special teams. And then I saw how much teams spent on those players, and I used Football Outsiders uh, special teams DVOA, which was just kind of quick and dirty. I, I definitely think that you know that's an area that bears further exploration. You know whether using Football Outsiders other stats or or other methodologies, um, you know, to kind of break it down further. But there was a uh, positive correlation between how much teams spent on those specialists and what their DVOA was. So let's start first with uh, the, the kickers. Obviously, that's where I prefer to start. So, you know, it's, it's only right that we begin there. Talk to me in particular about kickers. Uh, when you look at A, spending as a whole, B, guaranteed money, and then B and C, performance, what did you end up seeing with those three factors there? Well, Chuck, I mean, you've written about how kickers can be pretty inconsistent year to year. Yep. And uh, that squares with what I found. I mean, you you see, you know, Steven Guskowski is the highest paid kicker in football. Obviously, he's terrific. But then you look at Sebastian Janikowski, obviously one of the other big name kickers, and he had kind of a down year last year. Um, so, you know, it, I think in general, the more you pay a guy, probably the better performance you're going to get, but you're also dealing with fairly small sample sizes. So year to year, it can be kind of tough to, uh, you know, you're not always going to get your return every year. I, I was surprised at how much, I mean, there were, let's see. 13 kickers average more than $3 million per year. So that's, I mean, that's fairly significant. That's, uh, I mean, that's almost half the league's kickers. And then, uh, I mean, that's that's like what a, it's not really like a starter gets paid, but it was, it's what a good backup gets paid at most positions. Dave, one of the things that I advocated in an article earlier this year was because of the inconsistency of kickers uh, over long time periods. As I said, look, in an ideal world, if you want to try to maximize the value uh, of, of, of what you're getting out of your kickers, you go with shorter contracts with more guaranteed money. So instead of doing you know, a four-year deal at $16 million with $7 million guaranteed, I said, look, do a two-year deal at 10 or 11 with 7 or 8 guaranteed just so that you have more flexibility over a longer time period and you don't need to necessarily deal with that for your top-tier talent. For your middling talent, the talent that maybe you know is anywhere between you know seventh and you know seventeenth in the league, I said, look, it doesn't make sense to really be paying for too much because you can likely find those guys out on the free agent wires, anyways. Does that match with kind of what you saw here, and that some teams may be paying more than they need to for average talent? Uh, maybe. I, I mean, I actually think. You know, if you look at the structure of it, the top end guys like uh, Guskowski and Justin Tucker of the Ravens, who I know you've also written about recently, Chuck. I mean, those guys are those guys have uh, more than half their contracts guaranteed, and they have four year deals. So that's you know a little more than you would uh, advocate investing. But the guys who are a little further down, you know, somebody like Robbie Gold, he's he's got a uh, looks like a four-year uh, at about 
you know, four million a year, but only five million of that is guaranteed. So I think in general, you see the guarantees are fairly modest for kickers, yep. um, at least beyond the top, you know, two, three, four guys. Yeah, exactly. And, and it makes sense there because teams do want to maintain flexibility uh, for that position just because with the roster crunch, you obviously don't want to be chewing up roster spaces with guaranteed money and people who you'd like to release if you need to bring in a new kicker. I want to take a brief moment here just to talk again about crossover football because crossover football can help coaches win more games and make smarter use of the film room with your team. Crossover breaks down and stats out your game film, giving you searchable clips, advanced ODK, tendency reports, and a wealth of other great info that you can access from any PC or mobile device. Your formations and your personnel packages can be labeled with your own terminology and you can create custom highlight reels that can be viewed by anyone on the platform, including all of your players and coaches. To try one game for free, sign up for a demo at crossover.com slash pylon. That's crossover with a K dot com slash pylon, and you get one breakdown for free if you sign up today. Mark, I know you had uh, a couple other questions you wanted to dig into on this. Yeah, Dave, you know, after kicker and puncher, gunner has kind of become sort of the en vogue uh, special teams position, first with a guy like Steve Tasker and more recently with Matt Slater. How did you sort of dive into, figured out, first of all, who really fit into that sort of mold of the non-specialist special teamers, and what were your findings when it came down to how teams played those guys? Yeah, I mean, that that's a little tricky, and that's where it kind of comes back to the the methodology I used where I was looking at guys who played a certain percentage of special team snaps but were under a certain threshold of offense-defense snaps. I mean, Slater is what an eight-year vet. I think he has one career catch. Um, and then there are other guys, Daryl Stuckey of the Chargers, Marcus Easley of the Bills, um, who are contributing in that you know, in that kind of way. It, you also have uh, the poor the poor Browns. I feel like every time I'm on, we end up talking uh, badly about the Browns. They, they've they got like, you know, top 10 picks who are playing extensively on special teams. And that just kind of goes to show this can be a little tricky to evaluate because Justin Gilbert, I have is like the highest paid uh gunner on here but clearly the browns aren't drafting him to play special teams they took him what eighth overall to be a a corner and he just can't break it into the lineup even though their defense is bad uh barkevious mingo i think was playing big special team snaps too because he can't get a a full-time job on defense so you sort of have like uh you know a few different things going on that are a little difficult to tease out does anyone pay long snappers well no no, they don't. Those poor long snappers. They, uh, no, you know, the, the highest paid John Denny of the Miami Dolphins. That's uh, probably the only podcast you're going to hear his name this week, right? <laughs> probably. Probably yeah. this season. I mean, he's, he's 1.15 million a year. And I think the, what are the veteran minimum is probably only like 850 or 900. I haven't looked up how experienced he is but i mean so you're basically talking about all the long snappers make the league minimum uh john condo is a fair amount of guaranteed money but the over the cap guys broke down that was just because you know at the point he signed his one year left was basically guaranteed anyway so they converted it to bonus to 
cut down his cap hit. So that wasn't a, that, that wasn't a mistake. <laughs> they didn't put an extra zero in by mistake. Or so. I was looking at this because I'm going through the list, and you've got bonuses for long snappers: uh, Don Mulback at eighty thousand, Greg Warren eighty thousand, Zach Diossi two seventy five, and then all of a sudden you see Condo at one point seven million, and you're looking at it like, what happened here? I know I I had to I had to Google that because I was sure there was a story, but the over the cap guys I, I linked to that they they broke it down. It was just a. Uh, you know, a cap shenanigans thing to uh, cut down. I don't know what kind of contract he signed before this one that he had some huge cap hit that they needed to reduce uh, in the last year of his deal. But uh. Dave, one of the things that stood out in going through this piece was you looked at what position players actually end up playing special teams because as you highlight in the article, you know, playing on special teams requires a lot of different skill sets that you might not see from the everyday player. So when you looked at the guys that contribute on special teams, what position players stood out the most in terms of contributing? Uh, it's definitely the defensive backs and the linebackers. I mean, those guys are playing on all the coverage units. You get a backup linebacker, you back up, you know, a third safety, a third or fourth cornerback those guys are all out there in the special teams because you gotta i mean that's one of the few cases where you're really running down the whole length of the field you gotta have fast guys and that complicates filling out your roster because you've also got to carry you know backup offensive linemen a backup quarterback and present company accepted mark Ooh. those guys tend not to be the speediest uh fellas this is true this is true i i think quarterbacks can be well, let's not let's not go there. Actually, nah, we don't want to go down that road. Yeah, but usually, usually don't want your backup quarterback like trying to fly down and break up a wedge on a kickoff. No, we we always said when we were what, what was it, Mark? Maybe a few weeks ago when we were talking about quarterbacks tackling. When was yeah, that? it's like Bull Durham. You know, you get in a fight with a drunk in the bar, you got to throw your off shoulder into him, yeah, you know? It's, it, it's the, the same o- thing when you're, like throwing for, when you're trying to make a tackle. you got to throw that left shoulder in front of the guy. Yeah, it's, you it's, can't mess up that right shoulder. It's all that you want there. Dave, last, uh, last place we want to talk about, I don't think we touched on this really yet. Talk to me a little bit about punters here. What did you find when you examined uh, the punters? Well, I, I kind of thought, you know, you see Kickers that are drafted real highly, most recently Robert Aguayo in the second round. We saw uh, Mike Nugent in the second round a few years ago. Janikowski was a first rounder, uh, you know, back in 2099. But you, you never see punters drafted that high. So I thought I would find that kickers are m- much better compensated than punters. And it's actually fairly close. I mean, what the highest paid punters make is is you know, pretty much in line with what the highest paid kickers make. I have, there are 13 kickers who made $3 million a year. There are 12 punters that make $2.5 million a year. So the kickers get paid a little more. And I think we see the same thing with the uh, the punters that we saw with the kickers. You know, you you have guys who are great, who had great years last year. I, I know you you were a big fan of Brett Kern with the uh, methodology you did. Big Chuck. fan. Um but then Thomas Morstead and Sam uh, Sam Koch is or they they had kind of uh, down years last year and they're they're on this list. I mean Morstead is uh, cap hit. It's more than three and a half million a year. That's not peanuts. And he had his open field gross was forty six point seven yards, which is well below average. And his pin deep he had twenty nine percent touchbacks in pin deep situations. That was one of the worst marks in the league. 
Yeah, and it's 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 something that's interesting because I do find in particular that touchback percentage, and I'm doing some research on this right now just to uh, take a look at that. That's actually something that does show a pretty decent variation for a lot of guys from year to year as well. We talked about kickers already and the variation that they see from year to year. But touchbacks actually seem to be one thing that a lot of guys don't have a ton of control over uh, over an extended period. So I'm actually putting something together on that probably uh, for the next couple weeks, and I'll hopefully have that out around the start of the season. Dave, any uh, any last words that you have on this piece before we wrap up here? I just think, like, kind of the, you know, there's a lot of different ways that, uh, you know, I could look at this further, but I think kind of the the takeaway is that there's a lot of variation in this and teams sort of have different philosophies with how they use not only special teams but the whole back end of the roster do you want the guy who's a really good coverage player who might be a veteran or do you want to give that spot to you know a young wide receiver so you can develop him who might not contribute as much on special teams right i think it's kind of an interesting jumping off point for looking at some of those questions and some of the ways that teams you know develop their roster the kind of vision they have for building the 46 man the 53 man and then also the practice squad very good well i'll tell you what obviously uh you know certainly anyone who hasn't read dave's work not only on this dave has gone through every position i think you've covered just about every position now right dave yeah i I looked at i looked at um most of the positions for the 2015 season and uh uh, Jeff, I, I don't know Jeff's last name. Is it Fayer? Uh, pronounced Fayer, actually. Fayer, okay. He he and I are going to be doing something for 2016, too. Maybe uh, the same, maybe kind of a different format. So this is a little bit outside of that, just because it's kind of hard to quantify some of the special teams. But uh, this is... Uh, yeah, the, we're definitely looking into how teams build rosters. Very cool stuff. Well, Dave Archibald, appreciate you joining us. Uh, to anyone who doesn't follow Dave on Twitter, you can follow him at Dave Archie. You can also obviously follow us at IT Pylon. And once again, as I will remind you uh, occasionally, if you do not subscribe uh, to the Quick Kicks podcast, make sure that you go on to iTunes or your preferred podcast software, whatever you want to call it, and get yourself subscribed just because... We're going to have a show every day for the rest of the season. We are ramped up. We are ready to go. Mark, Monday's in the books, though. We're done. One down, four to go, man. One down, four to go. Chuck Zada, Mark Schofield, and Dave Archibald for the Quick Kicks podcast. We're back here tomorrow. We'll see you then.